0: Trying to comprehend God and His ways is <clears throat> beyond comprehension. <clears throat> we are geared towards the. <coughs> excuse me. We are ge- ge- uh, We are geared towards the physical. Our makeup, who we are. It's hard for us to move towards the spiritual. You look at the long history of the Jewish people, understand their background, the lives that they lived, the time frame in which they lived, and the rules that they were under at particular times, looking for this Lord or this King, and only being familiar for thousands of years with an earthly king, being promised a, another king that would reign forever, <clears throat> looking for a kingdom from their history as a specified piece of real estate in Israel that maybe it might be expanded. But this is their background. Then these people who had heard promises, prophecies of the coming of a new kingdom would think along these lines for the most part. As they would keep their religious heritage they would make those three annual trips to Jerusalem to celebrate particular events, covenants that they had with God. And so as the feast of the Passover would come, they would gather in Jerusalem for that They were still mindful of prophecies, anticipation, some of the words that had been spoken by one called Jesus during his earthly ministry, but again without an expectation of exactly what was to transpire that day and in the days that would follow as they would gather for the Passover meal and the disciples had been sent ahead to make that preparation which they did outside deciding, not deciding who was going to wash the feet of the guests. But anyway, as the Passover meal was being celebrated, Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. The reminder of the Lamb that was without spot, without blemish. The blood that would be shed to cover the sins. And he would institute this Lord's Supper that they did not fully understand or comprehend at that particular time. They were not expecting a crucifixion. They were expecting a Reigning king, and so when he was crucified, they were disillusioned. Even as you on the third day at the resurrection, the women who came to the tomb were not expecting a resurrection, but were expecting to finish the burial procedure for this one called Jesus, and even the disciples who had seen the marvelous transfiguration of Jesus was not expecting a resurrection. And the disciples would meet behind those closed doors. Then for a period of 40 years, 40 days, excuse me, 40 days, may seem like 40 years for them, I don't know, But for 40 days he met with his disciples, showed him his body, showed him convincing proofs, and worked with them to show that he indeed was this Messiah. And Then he would tell them to go into Jerusalem and that there they would received the Holy Spirit this day of Pentecost or the in gathering. They saw him ascend to heaven. They went into the city and they waited. And on that day of Pentecost again with all that they had anticipated all that they were in one sense, as we might view it humanly, disillusion that it had not come to pass the way that they thought it was to come to pass. Peter and the rest of the disciples began to speak. And as the reading goes in the earlier part of chapter 2, there were Jews from about 15 different countries that were there and provinces. Again, doing what the Jews were required to do from wherever they lived to make that trip to Jerusalem for these Jewish feasts to remember God and his, his blessing. And again, as Peter had began his dissertation down to where we began this morning in the reading, It's interesting. Interesting to see that they had a difficulty in understanding what was taking place because that difficulty still exists today. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were able to speak in languages that was common to the language from which the people had come. Not the native language of Hebrew or Aramaic, but the language in which they were born and to hear. And they wrestled with that. And I'm amazed, if you will, to hear brethren discuss that concept And trying to draw a conclusion that the miracle was not in the speaking, but the miracle was in the hearing. How is it that each man hears in his own language? But they miss what it said. They spoke in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. The miracle was in the speaking. If you travel abroad or you have those who visit us here and you hear them speak, if one has English as a second language or if you have another language that is your second language, oftentimes it's distinctive. If you were to hear me try to speak Spanish It would not sound like one to where Spanish was their native language. I enjoyed Spanish so much in high school. I was in California, Southern California, so I thought I might learn Spanish. I enjoyed Spanish so much I took the first year two times in a row. I do not speak it very well, it's a foreign language. So the miracle was, how do we hear in our own language in which we were born? How come it's a native dialect that we're hearing? And as Peter and the rest of the apostles begin to explain what was taking place, he's pointing out a fact that the scripture has talked about but a fact that was misunderstood by those who read the scriptures. Has that changed down through the years of reading the scriptures and misunderstanding what the scripture is really saying about this Messiah? They knew the prophecies of Isaiah, of the suffering servant, but did not really understand what he was saying. Because as it unfolded in their lives, as it unfolded within their eyesight, as it unfolded within their hearing, they did not understand that this is what Isaiah was saying. Nor did they understand the prophecies of David that were being fulfilled that day as well. Or the prophecy of John the Baptist or of even Jesus during his ministry of the things that were going to unfold and take place. This Jesus whom they had crucified was attested by God to be his son, attested by God to be the Messiah, tested to God through the miracles that he performed. Again, the visible, physical scenes that they saw unfold before them in those three, three and a half years of the ministry of Jesus which had not been done before their lifetime, or in their lifetime, been done before. There were some miracles that had been performed. But the miracles that he was performing in their presence was God attesting that this Jesus is from God. Nicodemus recognized that. No man could do these things except God be with him. He knew that part, but he didn't fully understand Why the Messiah, if Jesus be the Messiah, why Jesus or the Redeemer or the King would have to go through the things that Jesus had gone through. They recognize part of it, but not all of it. That has not changed. Do we recognize and fully understand what it means for us to say that Jesus is Lord and that he is Christ that he is Emmanuel and that he is exactly who he said he is that's hard concept is it not at times for us to wrestle with God in the flesh, and yet eternal. God in the flesh, who would grow as a baby, to a child, to an adult, and then physically die. God in the flesh doing this. Not fully grasping what is involved. Not fully comprehending, and I do not know how one does comprehend Jesus leaving heaven to dwell on this earth. The earth being described in many places as being the footstool of God, and Jesus, as God, left heaven to be a servant. They didn't understand that concept of the king being a servant. And their history shows you that. The history of the Jewish history shows you that they did not understand that the king was also a servant of God. The king saw themselves as being top, top of the heap. And failed to realize that they were servants of God. They would have a beginning of days and an end of days. And one king would replace another king and so on and so forth. So they were looking for this kingdom that would be eternal. They were looking for the physical. And people today still misunderstand. We have those today in the religious world that are still looking for a physical kingdom of God on this earth. Some will say for a thousand years and some will say for eternity. And they do not understand what the scriptures say. Years ago, I talked with a Russian who was, and the white army who fled Russia in 1917. As we talked, he was convinced that there was going to be an earthly kingdom and that it could come at any time. And as we talked, we talked about it not being an earthly kingdom. We discussed it and finally we reached a point where he said, if you tell me that it is an earthly, it's not an earthly kingdom, you can leave my house and never return. Sad to say, that's exactly what happened. But he was convinced. He said, What are you gonna do with those that are the enemies of God? Well, we just tie them up in this earthly kingdom. <laughs> How is that a kingdom if you've got people all tied up around and he's the king of peace and the king of love? So they're working with this. This Jesus was attested by God, approved who he was. And they struggled to understand who he was. He was put to death. And Peter and the other apostles would convince and convict the Jews of their days that they were the ones that were guilty in putting this Messiah to death through the hands of the Romans, through lawless hands. But you were guilty. It's interesting as well in that light, as well as others, that you remember when they were trying to crucify Jesus And Pilate was wanting to release him, saying that he was innocent, and had convinced the religious leaders, had convinced the multitudes to ask for for Barabbas. And when they said, why should I put to death an innocent man, the people cried out, well his blood will be on our hands and on our children's hands. Do you think they knew what they said? We will kill an innocent man. And they did not understand that that innocent man was indeed God in the flesh. And his blood will be on our hands. And his blood will be on our children's hands. They will, we are guilty and they will be guilty as well and for those who did reject him exactly that's exactly what would take place but all of this was the predetermined purpose and the foreknowledge of God it's hard to grasp at times to work around in understanding god foreknowing exactly what was to take place jesus foreknowing exactly what was to take place would go ahead and do what was necessary in order to redeem sinful man. Hard to even conceive of that willingness to do that. We can work from eternal point of view and say, well, it's just a blip in time eternally for that to take place. But he was in the flesh. He lived day by day. And he did die that physical death. Maybe today we'll reject what Peter is saying here and the rest of the apostles in Acts chapter 2. But as he goes through and say he would be raised from the dead that third day, the pains of death could not hold him. And Peter and the rest of the apostles would give the proof that he rose from the dead. David's prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus. The eyewitness testimonies. You've seen him. You've seen him, you've seen him as he, after he had risen from the dead. And the outpouring of the Spirit. You go and wait in Jerusalem, and when the Spirit comes, it will be confirmed that indeed what had been said previous was right. The difference always is how do we respond? I've often told you that it's easy to say Jesus is the Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah. He is is Emmanuel. And I encourage you and have and will continue to do such. Encourage you. Take time. Write out each of those names that the Messiah is to be known by. Write out what it means. What does the name Jesus mean? What does the name or the purpose for the Messiah, Emmanuel, the Lord, and look at all of those terms describing one individual, and then see how they apply. So when I hear somebody say, all you got to do is call on Jesus as Lord. This call on Jesus, disbelieve Jesus. Well, what does His name mean? He shall save. Save who? Or save us from what? You look at the name to so call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from what? From their sins. If I believe he is that Messiah, or I do believe he is the one who will save me from my sins, how can I believe that and not want to listen to what he has to say? Lord, back to Luke six forty six. Why would you call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? How could you understand God with us and not believe what he said? And not be willing to do what he says. all those names individually tell us who he is. And you put them collectively. You talk about a powerful, powerful statement. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow! How can I believe that? And not want to follow him? How can I believe that? and not want to do what he said to do. These people were pricked or cut in their heart. You have crucified the Son of God. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Your sins, place them on a cross. What are you going to do? Ignore it? Make light of it? Well, acknowledge that he died for most of my sins, but there's still some out there that I've kept in reserve for myself. How can I not give him my life? He's promised to bless, not just bless it here, but to bless it eternally in heaven they were told most assuredly that this God had made Jesus both Lord in Christ. Testify. The written record has been preserved for us. Testify that this Jesus is Lord and that he is Christ. And they were told what they needed to do to repent, to turn from and be baptized for the remission of their sins. Confess them as Lord and be, repent of their sins and be buried in baptism for the remission of those sins. And they would be saved if they would live for Jesus from then on. The choice is ours. Do not fully comprehend the love of God for his creatures who reject, misconstrue, change, alter, refuse to acknowledge what he said that would lead to eternal life. And patiently wait for that heart change. Is there a need for a heart change in your life this morning? I need to understand that as you made that confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you, with the help of God, And his word desire to live a life that would be reflective of that love of Jesus. The decision that we have to make, out of my bondage of sorrow and sin, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Will you come out of that bondage? Will you come to that Christ who gives freedom and peace and forgiveness of sins? If your life's not where it needs to be this morning, if we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.